turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 17. And why, 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 why do we say that we don't fight for a victory? We fight from the position that we already possess the victory. Everything in the Bible will back this up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This Greek word means a new species, one that never existed before. It literally means a new creation. It literally, this word also means an original form. Do you know there's only one of you? There's never been another one like you. There never will be another one like you. You are unique. You, God made and formed you, and that form was just for you. There will never be another person like you. It's amazing how special you are. You are a child of the God of the universe. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. It says here, look at this, old things are passed away. Well, what do you mean? Old things. Your old sin nature is gone. Now you could say, well, now wait a minute. I still get tempted and I give into this. Your spirit doesn't. Right? Paul really lays out in the word and in the book of Romans how sin happens. It says, this nature that's still in my flesh... This old sin nature that's still in my flesh will side and it, it will literally side with my unrenewed mind if I haven't put the word first. It'll try to connect with my unrenewed mind and, and Paul said it this way, and take me, the spirit man, captive. So that's how come for a Christian, when you're doing wrong behavior, there's inner turmoil there. Now, sometimes if you walk in inner turmoil long enough, you will learn how to cope with it so it doesn't really seem like it's there, but it's still there, and it's affecting everything. Inner turmoil will always produce interpersonal conflict. If you have turmoil going on in the inside of you, you all of a sudden, man, the dog will upset you, your wife will upset you, your husband will upset you, the kids will upset you, people driving down the street will upset you, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. But those are just symptoms of the bigger problem. So we need to know. See, the whole, all the epistles are not to tell you how to get something. All the epistles that are written in the Bible... All of them are to show you what you've already been given. To tell you and to define for you who you are. Because Satan's going to come against your identity. Right? He's going to say, are you really a child of God? And then he's going to try to define what that is. A child of God is a world overcomer. That's who you are. Old things are passed away. Behold... The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this. Behold, in other words, you have to see this. All things, all things are become new. Now, did you notice that all things, you, you, if you had, if, if you were a little challenged with some hair up here, right? That after you got born again, you were still challenged a little bit with hair up here, right? Uh, it, it, you didn't change outwardly, did you? No. It's talking about all things are become new on the inside. You are a spirit. And your spirit, man, literally is brand new in Christ. The old spirit man that you were, this is what it says, Old things are passed away. That old spirit that you were with the sin nature in it, spiritual death in it, was taken out and removed and gone. And now God put a brand new spirit in you. That's why we call it being born again. The proper term would be being born from above, but both work, right? 
So now I'm brand new on the inside. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new on the inside. I'm a brand new creature in Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's who you are. And your spirit is renewed day by day. So now you are a spirit and you possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? The Bible says you have to renew your soulish realm with the word of God. And you live in a physical body. This is your earth suit. Without a body, you have no legal right to be on the earth. That's how come Jesus had to take upon himself flesh, right? Satan operates in the earth illegally. He, he operates in the spirit realm and affects people, right? I'm telling you, if there's no fear, Satan can't operate. And God needs you to know who you are in him. It says here, if you jump down to verse 21, now he's going to explain how this happened. It says, for he, talking about God the Father, hath, this is past tense, made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God in Christ. And this is why we say there's freedom in Christ. Right? Everything is in Christ. And guess where you are? You are in Christ. This is awesome. So righteousness. See, this is a big part and I, I got to be careful when I teach on righteousness because I might go off on a rabbit trail for about 400 years because it's growing in me. I used to teach about a 50-hour class on it, and now that sounds like an introduction to me because I, it, there's just so much. You have been made righteous. Righteousness is not this thing. Righteousness literally is a position. It's the position you have with God. You are his child. You've been made righteous with him, with, with something of himself. You were redeemed by something of Jesus, his blood, and now you've been made something of your father. You've been made righteous just as he is righteous. Wow. Righteousness could never be earned. None of us deserved it. Righteousness is a free gift of God. It was provided to us by Jesus in his redemptive work at Calvary and coming out of the grave. And it came to each of us through the grace of God. Okay? It was provided. It's a free gift by God. It was, it was provided through the redemptive work of Jesus. And it comes to us how? Through the grace of God. And this is why we must receive it by faith. We must receive through faith what God has given us by his grace. The word translated righteousness literally means right standing. So if you've been made righteous and put into right standing with God, do you ever have to cower back? No, you've been made righteous. You are in right standing. Isn't, now, this is amazing because if I, allow my, if, I, if I allow my flesh to dominate my life and I have these unrighteous behaviors, these sinful and unrighteous behaviors happening, because I am righteous, because I'm in right standing, I can still come right into the very presence of God, come to his throne of grace boldly. Amen. Why? Because I'm not coming based on myself. I'm coming on Jesus and what he did for me. I've literally, Colossians tells me I've been made worthy. In myself, no. I've been made worthy. By who? By Jesus. So I could come boldly to his throne of grace to obtain mercy from him. Do you know if you're living right and not doing anything wrong, 
you don't need mercy. There's not been a person that's been pulled over that was, you know, looked at that speed limit sign and they just saw speed. Like it's a negotiation point, right? A, a jumping off point. And all of a sudden you see this Christmas tree behind you and you're like, man, you immediately start thinking mercy. Not justice, right? But you come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. And to find what? Grace. Grace. The very ability of God to help you in your time of need. And the Bible says if you'll just confess the sinful and unrighteous behavior before him, the Bible says he's faithful and also he's just. He has a legal right to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And when your father washes off all the unrighteousness, guess what's left? Righteousness. Because you've been made righteous. Made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the very righteousness of Almighty God. What is righteousness? I mean, think about it. I love E.W. Kenyon's definition. It's the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt or inferiority as if sin never existed. Do you know, when you stand before the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, when we're raptured out of here, the, the first thing you're going to see, it says he's coming with his reward in his hand. Do you realize that you're going to stand in front of Jesus? I, I can't even imagine. I know what I sense in his presence. I can't hardly talk about it. It starts coming over me. I can't imagine face to face. But I'm sure looking forward to it. But I'm going to stand there, and you're going to stand there with no sense of guilt, no sense of inferiority. You're going to stand there as if sin never existed in your life. That's amazing. We have to renew our mind to this. See, the reason why we've got Christians living in this mess this sinful and unrighteous behavior, messing with things in the flesh, dealing with addictions, is because they don't know who they are. Because when you know you're righteous, see, holiness flows out of righteousness. So if you don't know you're righteous, if you don't know that, if you don't have revelation knowledge that grows in you your whole life, you righteousness, you don't become more righteous. You cannot become more righteous. Man, I was, I, was, I was saved at four and a half years old. I was literally made, I'm just as righteous today as I was back then. I couldn't even spell righteousness. Probably couldn't read righteousness. Probably couldn't even say it. But I was it. But see, what happens is as you get in the word of God and you walk with him, you become more and more aware of who you've been made. You become more and more aware of the righteousness that you've been made. And it will eclipse all the junk in your life. We are standing right now. Right now, you literally are standing before the Father in Christ. You're right now seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. All of the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, so be it unto you. Isn't that amazing? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Jesus is our life. The key, this is the reason why we say this, the key to understanding the things of God is you must understand righteousness. You must understand your position with him. If you don't understand your position with him, you'll never be, under, be able to unlock these treasures of the things of God. In the same way, it took a key for you to, for you to start your car, whether you stuck it in a hole or pushed a button, right? There still had to be a key. The key to understanding the things of God 
faith, grace, identity, authority, all of these things, you must understand righteousness. And so many believers have no idea. So that's why it's important for us to get this right and to grow in this every day. Not growing to be more righteous, growing in our knowledge and awareness of being righteous. This is huge. So turn to Philippians chapter 1. Let's keep talking about this a little bit. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. You guys doing good? You really came today to worship and to receive from the Lord. I could tell. It's awesome. Man, I could feel it. That's, that's wonderful. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. It says this. We're going to read verses 9, 10, and 11. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. This word judgment is the Greek word that means in all perception. The love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart, the writer here, the Holy Spirit is telling us that he wants this love that's been shed abroad in our heart, the very love of God, it is to abound in knowledge. So you are to continually grow in revelation knowledge of all that it means to be loved by God and all that it means to love, walk in, and yield to the love of God. And as you do that, it will abound in all perception or judgment. So in other words, as you're walking through your life, you are going to perceive the love of God in every situation. Now that's massive because when people get hit pretty hard in their life and it's unfair, guess what happens so many times? Many times it's, it's very loud. God did this to me, or at least God allowed it and I'm mad at him. But many times it's very subtle is that God really let me down and now, gosh, I'm going into my future and I really can't trust him. Because what if he allows this again? Paul is saying that the love of God is to abound. Your knowledge of God's love is to abound. Your perception of God's love is to abound. In other words, in the midst of all hell being breaking loose in your life, you still are able to perceive that God loves me. I'm his child. He is my victory. He has a future for me. He will give me triumph and victory in this situation. He's going to walk me out of this. This is going to change. Why? Because he loves me. Okay? Over and over again in the word of God, it says God's given us all of these things simply because he loves us. It says here, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. This is huge. Approve things that are excellent. What's happening in the world today? I mean, it just seems like it's, it's always been happening, but it seems like it's getting turned up. People are calling good evil and evil good. The love of God will enable you to walk in this. Approve things that are excellent. Look at this, verse 11, and this is what I want you to see. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now this is a little vague. The translator translated this fruits, but it's the Greek word karpos. It, it's singular. That you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness, right? What is fruit? It's the visible manifestation on the outside of something that's working inside, right? Something that's working inwardly, it's working invisibly. You can't see it, but it produces fruit. The fruit of righteousness, the righteousness that you've been made, you can't see. 
right? But it will produce fruit. This is how you know if you're walking knowing that you're righteous. If there's no fruit, then you don't know. And why don't you know? Because you're not abounding in the knowledge of the love of God. Do you see this progression? The fruit of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus unto glory and praise of God. The Bible is telling you and I, now what are we talking about? We're talking about freedom. The Bible is telling us that we are to be filled with the very fruit of righteousness. In Isaiah, you could turn over there. Let's look at this. Isaiah 32, verse 17 is a great verse. Because if righteousness was a tree, peace would be the fruit of that tree. The righteousness that is in you, that you've been made, in other words, you have been made righteous, you are designed to produce an outward manifestation of peace. It's not natural for you not. You have to look at wrong things a lot. And this is why, do you know, you don't hear a lot of this being taught. And we probably could teach this every week for about 100 years. Because we need to know this stuff. Right? If you don't abound in the knowledge that God loves you, you're not going to ever really see that you've been made righteous, which means that you're never going to experience the incredible joy of standing in the presence of your Father without any sense of guilt, shame, as if sin never existed in your life. It says here in Isaiah 32, 17, and the work of righteousness. This is the the word work here in the Hebrew means the action or the transaction of righteousness shall be peace. There was a transaction that happened. 2 Corinthians, right? 5.21. He was made to be sin so that we would be made the very righteousness of God. The result of that transaction, it says it shall be peace. And the effect or the result of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever beyond this life on earth. So the fruit is peace. Wow. The the thing, righteousness, that's working in you should produce peace in your life. That means in the middle of a storm, inwardly, you can stand and it will produce peace in your life on the outside so that in the middle of a storm, you're still full of joy because you know he loves me. I'm his child. I've been made righteous and I have certain privileges and rights and authority as a righteous child of God and I'm not going under, I'm going over. Because he'll open doors that no man can shut. He'll shut doors that no man can open. He'll make a way where there is no way. See, the church, we call it an awakening that ushers in a revival that produces a harvest. The church has to wake up to this. Because, man, when you know you're righteous, he's number one in every area of your life. When you know, actually, because what fuels that is you know the reason why you were made righteous is because he just loves you. And, and, and 1 John 4 tells us we love him. Why? Because he first loves us. Right? And the effect or the result of this righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. So ask yourself today, here's the litmus test. If you are walking what, what is John, or what is, yeah, what does Matthew tell us in chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're to seek first his righteousness. We're to seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Well, because 
if you don't, if you don't know you're righteous, you're not going to walk in the peace that has already been given to you, that's already down on the inside of you, laying dormant. We need the effect, the, the result of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever, right? This is so very important when you talk about freedom. So let's go over to Romans chapter 5. Let's see, now we're going to understand a little bit deeper why this verse is so true. Actually, you know, before we go there, this other scripture's coming up. Go to Isaiah. We're ready to read Isaiah 54 again. We got to read this and then we'll go over to, to the other, maybe. Isaiah 54. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 54, it says, And all your children, in verse 13, shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. That's a great promise. Right? So, I'm so glad now for my son and my daughter that we still... Thank, thank God that they are taught of the Lord. So then it says, look at this though. The whole context of this is righteousness. It says, verse 14, in righteousness you shall be established. Established. Fixed and immovable. That's what that word means. In righteousness, as you operate in revelation knowledge that you've been made righteous, you will be fixed and immovable. In other words, nothing can move you. If you're moving, then you are not, you're not walking in a revelation of righteousness. You're not looking at who you are in Christ and who he has made you. You're looking at natural circumstances, right? right? But there's a place, if you choose it, where you could be fixed and immovable. And here's the good news. Man, I'm telling you, if you have been moved all over your life and all over your emotions for decades, just make a decision. Because you could become fixed and immovable today because that's already been given to you. It's already who you are. You are not to be moved. It says, thou shalt be far from oppression. Oppression. This, this Hebrew word means you'll be far from something coming down and exercising hard control over you. Why? Because you're righteous. Isn't that amazing? That, that means immovable, free from anything exercising hard control over you. Think of the drug addict or the alcoholic. This is their freedom. Could it be as simple as them finding out and walking in who they really are in Christ? It is. Because in this is healing and everything to cause you to be immovable. It says you'll be far from oppression. Why? For you shall not fear. Wow. You'll be far from oppression because you do not fear. Fear is literally a result of not knowing about righteousness and not knowing how to act in your righteousness. If you don't know how, the spirit of fear will mess with you. But when you know how, when the spirit of fear comes, you're already submitted to the Lord, you resist the devil and he has to flee. No fear. Now, now this, is, this is Bible. This is not my opinion. Right? This is God, your loving Father, speaking to you this morning. Wow. It says, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Behold, they'll surely gather together, but they won't gather together by you. That's cool. Whosoever shall gather together against you shall fall for thy sake. See, the way this thing work, works, 
is fear literally comes at you. And if you don't know that you've been made righteous, if you don't know that, that literally who you are, and it's all because God loves you, then, then fear will come in and start messing with you. And then what happens is Mr. Fear turns around and opens the door, and here comes Mr. Oppression. Fear opens the door for oppression, right? And, and oppression always comes with terror. So this is a result. It's all a result of not knowing who you are. Isn't that interesting? It says here, behold, verse 16, I have created the smith that blows the coals in the fire that brings forth an instrument for his work. I have created the waster to destroy. Well, did God create Satan? Yes. Did he create him Satan? No, there's other scriptures that tell us no. He created him Lucifer. He was the anointed cherub. God created him to lead worship in heaven. And Lucifer chose to rebel. And now he is the destroyer. So yes, God created Lucifer, but he didn't create him Satan. And he has made a way for him, for Satan to have no place in your life. And what did it cost God? It cost God the death of his son to do that. It says here, but look at this, verse 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. So what are you facing right now? Are you facing anything that you're looking at it and it could hurt you? That's a weapon. The Bible says no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. So now you know that God's will is no weapon will prosper. That's, right. God, so that's pretty clear, isn't it? No weapon formed against you will prosper. Now, it might look like this really big and bad weapon, right? A deadly disease, incredible financial pressure, an addiction that is dripping out of every cell of your body, whatever it is, right? But it won't prosper. It says here, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you and I have this position where we can condemn the tongue. We don't condemn the person, we just condemn the words. You have the power. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You have the ability. You know, they've proven now that every word that's been spoken is still out there. They're actually trying to create something to be able to zero in so that they can hear it again. That's kind of way, way, I'm, not, I'm probably not even explaining that right. That's way above my pay grade. Pastor Edwin, you probably have to read some articles on that. You might be able to understand that. <laughs> Think about how cool that would be. Could you imagine being able to zero in on the Sermon on the Mount and hear the voice of Jesus? That'd be awesome, but we could hear the voice of Jesus anytime we want, Right? So look at this. You can condemn these words. Now, I don't know about you. I've condemned some words some people have spoken against me. Helps me stay in love. But there's one guy in my life that I've had to condemn a lot of words. I hope I don't have to today, but I'm ready to. Right? Have you ever said anything stupid out of your mouth? Right? Yeah, you can, you can condemn your own words. Have you ever, I, I encourage you to say that. You say something stupid, your spirit will go, what are you saying? And, and don't play church and don't go la, 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 because by your words you're justified and by your words you're condemned. Well, I didn't really mean it. Listen, it doesn't matter if you don't mean it. Those demons get excited when you say, man, my knee is killing me. They're like, really? That's cool. Right? Let's go get some, let's go get some trained principalities that are designed to destroy your knees, right, John? I mean, we, we know, we've studied, we've talked about that scripture. 
No, 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 no. You can condemn the words and they die. You know, you're the only person in the world, only the righteous can do that. That's pretty cool. It says, every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you can condemn it. And why is all of this possible? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. In other words, all this is a result. Now this is written in the Old Testament. Guys, we are New Testament believers. This is, this is you read this under the light of New Testament truth and you're like, wow, I've been made righteous. This is amazing. So now let's go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. I hope this is thrilling your heart today. You are not trying to be free. You are free. And once you realize you're free, you'll start acting like you're free. And it's time. It's time for people to make a decision to take that step and put God first. It's amazing in our church, having 2,000 years in the church, I'm talking about the church worldwide, 2,000 years of revelation knowledge, and we are still going, I want to do my own thing. Man, there's no life in that. God has a great plan for your life. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's sin, Death reigned by one. This word reigned is the same. It means to have full and superior dominion. When Adam sinned, death had full and superior dominion over man. Right? Death reigned literally through Adam. It says much more. And this word much more in the Hebrew language, or I'm sorry, in the Greek language, literally means so much more, you can't even compare it. So what he's going to say is much greater than the sin and death that reigned through Adam. Much more, they which receive. Notice it doesn't say, they which God gives. The reason why it says, they which receive, is every man has a choice and it's provide, been provided for every man. God is no respecter of persons. He's done this for every person. Right? They which receive. This means literally to take hold of. I'm going to take hold of it and I'm going to act upon it. Do you know what it means to yield to the Lord? We always talk about Yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Lord. It means to act on it. They which receive. I made a decision to grab hold and seize hold of what? The abundance of grace. And I've seized hold of the gift of righteousness. I've made a decision to do that. To seize hold of it, but not just to seize hold of it, not just to come to church on Sunday and three minutes after the service is over, forget about it, not open my Bible, not think about it anymore. No, no, no. To receive it, you didn't receive anything. You just gained a little intellectual knowledge of it. Won't do you any good. It might do you a little good. It might get you to come back to where you maybe get you to a place where you'll ch choose to receive it. But receiving it is you grab hold of it and you're going, okay, this is mine. I am going to walk in this. This is a truth from God's word. They which receive the abundance of grace. Wow. Now this word receive, it literally also denotes as I continue in it, it grows in me. So it's just like everything else that you receive from God, it grows. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's something that grows. Right? You know, I was just, I, I, was, I was thinking about, the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how that he likens the baptism, of the Holy Spirit, and all these Greek words is something that grows. But he likens it to somebody being under the influence of alcohol. Right? And the Lord started talking to me about that. 
And he started taking me back because, you know, growing up, I grew up in bars with my parents. I mean, isn't this crazy? We talk about, my parents drug me to all the bars. Certain ones had great hamburgers. I remember one bar that was out, uh, it was outside this little town they used to go to, and bars were dirty, dark places, man, right? But man, this one, this one bar had this, the owner had a St. Bernard. This thing was massive. And so I would just literally play with this thing forever. I mean, it'd throw me all over the place, right? You know, at one point, when, when, we, when my parents first started going to that bar, you know, I mean, I'd eat, I'd have a hamburger, then I'd go outside, and this dog was massive. And uh, one time, my mom came out and looked and saw this dog raise up and put its paws on my shoulders and drive me into the ground. And then it was on top of me, this, ah. Uh, and my mom's like, ah. And when she got close, she realized this dog was just licking me all over the floor, you know. <laughs> yeah, just nasty stuff now. But I mean, I was a kid. I loved that stuff, right? But, you know, it says don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's a progressive word. And you could tell when I'm filled with the Spirit. Like, there's, there's certain guys, like there's one bar in Chicago. There was this older guy, his name was Sheriff. This guy would get blitzed. They would, one day they literally nailed this guy's shoes to the floor. <laughs> True friends. And he couldn't figure out how to move, right? I remember sitting there as a kid just going, this is just weird, but that's all I knew, right? But you'd have, you'd have guys in bars. Some of them were crying drunks. When they would get drunk, they'd just cry. When they were under the influence of alcohol, they would just cry. Ever since I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can't even talk about it. I start crying, when I get filled, I, I, I'm like one of these crying guys. But there's also drunks that get really mean and they fight. That's me too. Man, when I get filled with the Spirit, I'll be in my office and I'll be crying like a baby. And then I'll write two seconds later, I'll jump up and I'm like, Satan, you are defeated. And I start beating him up. I mean, it's just an aggression that comes over me. When I come in the presence of somebody who is possessed with a devil, I haven't, that, that's been a while in California, really not since California. But I mean, there's just something. I'm like, I just want to rip the demon out of the person. I love the person. But when you get filled, you're under the influence. You get clothed, you're under the influence of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. See, see guys, you are a world overcomer. And if you're just living for yourself, you've got this mountain inside of you going, I am made for just something more. Your life is not to just get up and do laundry and mow your grass and clean your house and wash your car. You want to change something. And sometimes, because you have to do the mundane, sometimes you just need a drink. You just need a drink. See, people in the world, they get overwhelmed. See, alcohol really is covering up stuff. Drugs are covering up stuff. But they don't need to drink that. The problem is not that you, you know, hey, getting a drink once in a while is awesome. As a matter of fact, God says, no, no, I want you to get a drink all day, every day. But the problem is people drink the wrong thing. Drink in excess of alcohol will destroy your life. Excess of drugs will destroy your life. Excess of a lot of things, right? But when you're filled with the Spirit, you're under the influence of Him, and He leads you into life, and sin habits and addictions and problems fall off of you, and you start speaking things and start putting spiritual laws in motion, and now the Holy Spirit is able to lead you and guide you through your path and walk you in the freedom that Christ has already made you free. How'd I get off on all that? Come next week, we'll talk more about it maybe. <laughs> Pastor, can, did you really say that? Sometimes you just need a drink. 
Now, 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 you know, some people, some people will be like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going out to, no, no, no. Drink the Holy Spirit, not alcohol, right? Wow. Hilarious. I should say, he who hath ears to hears, right? right? They which receive the abundance of grace, it means you're to grab hold of it, you're to continue in it and grow in it. And of the gift of righteousness. Well, now we've got an issue. How do you grow in the gift of righteousness? Because righteousness doesn't grow. You, you'll never be more righteous than you are. No, no, you'll grow in revelation knowledge of all that that means. That's what this is talking about. The abundance of grace. I love this Greek word. It's the word charis. Andrew Womack has a Bible school. It's called Charis Bible School, right? Greek, Charis. It literally means the divine influence on your heart that reflects out of your life. The grace of God. I mean, the healing power of God. It influences you on the inside. It changes your physical body and it will radiate health on the outside. Prosperity, same thing. Joy, peace, all these things of God that he's given you, your authority, all of it is to influence you on the inside and explode on the outside. Even the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what do we say about that? It's an inward empowerment and an, or an inward strengthening and an outward empowerment, right? Shall reign in life this means you shall have full and superior dominion in Zoe life, the very life of God. You'll have full and superior dominion over everything because you will walk in the Zoe life of God. It's amazing. Wow. It says you'll reign in life, and it says this, by one Jesus Christ. This word by is the word dia. It should have been translated through, right? You'll reign in life through Jesus Christ. Everything is in Christ. Paul is speaking about God's grace to overcome the wrong teaching that these Romans have received from Jews, telling them that they can embrace Jesus, but they still must keep the Mosaic law. We don't deal with this today. But why is this for today? Because today, believers are trying to work their way into God's blessing, and you can't do that. It was given to you by grace. You can't be good enough to get healed. You can't be good enough to prosper. You can't be good enough to be made free. No, 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 no. So give yourself a break. Because what, what happens when you're trying to work for something is you'll fail, right? And when you fail, oh, now we've got a problem. You dirty dog, you, why'd you do that? God doesn't love you. See, do you see that? Versus, see, I'm not trying to work for something. I'm a child of God, I'm righteous, so now, because I know who I am, I'm working out something. I'm not saved by works, but I do work out my own salvation with a reverence and an honor and a respect for God but I only work out what he's working in. So today, when I study the word of God, I'm going to study what he wants me to study. Right? I've been studying on the baptism of the Holy Spirit all week. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes this. But I'm ready for that. Why? Because I live in the word. Right? And that's the way we have to be. Don't try to work for something. Many believe that if they do something to please God, then that's how it works. No, no, no. You already please God because of who you've been made. To please God, though, this is, this is really what pleases God when you believe him. I mean, right now, See, this is the danger in a church like ours. 
you're hearing this truth service after service. For some people, we have people that are getting so hungry, it's like they're like a ravenous wolf in a good way. Other people, because they just kind of hear it and then they go live their life and hear it and go live their life and they fill their life with all these decisions that are keeping them from ministry, keeping them from walking out God's plan for their life, what happens is it be, they, they, they become self-deceived. They become a listener only. And we don't want that. Life is so, it's so short. I mean, I, I was 25 yesterday and then I blinked right? The only thing, you know, as you get older, what's exciting is you get closer. You know, hey, listen, I will be seeing Jesus soon, but you know what? The teenagers should be saying that because your life is a vapor. It's so, it's, it's so fast, and you're going to want to stand before your king and your God. You know, you want to stand before him and know that you've lived a life that pleased him, right? We try to get to a place where we can put our finger on something that we did to please God. That's, and that's such a low way to live. Instead of walking around thanking him, Father, I thank you that you made your son bear all of my sin and my spiritual death and that old nature. And now you've made me your very righteousness. And you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And I know your voice and another voice I don't follow. And, and you're leading me and guiding me through the paths of righteousness. And it's one of increase. So I'm not going to, Father, I don't care what I'm seeing right now. Right? You're laying in your bed and a serious, serious, uh, all of a sudden, a serious thing hits your body. And instead of freaking out, you just rest and go, no, I reject that. Right? You don't deny, I reject that. I command you, I, I'm, I am the healed for it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Right? This is how we combat things. Religion, religion says, come to church let me, let me give you this nice little flowery sermon. And it could be, or, or if you're charismatic, then it could be really cool. You know, we got lights, we got smoke, we got an awesome kick and worship team. I've got eight leadership quotes, and I'm going to tell you about this book that'll just really, yeah, let me tell you about a book. This is the foundation, right? If I'm reading a book and it doesn't have a lot of this in it, it's gone. Yeah, but it's like a bestseller. Don't care. This is the bestseller of all time. Grace is also defined as unmerited favor. What does that mean? Grace is God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. Isn't that cool? Romans 5, 17 again. Let me read it to you. For if by one man's offense, death reign by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So in other words, there's two components here that are necessary to reign in life. Number one, the abundance of grace. I must continually take hold of and grow in the abundance of grace. Right? The abundance of grace could also be defined as the operation of grace. Or we could say it this way, operating in grace. Right? We must take hold of and continue in this. What is grace? It's the finished work of Christ. It's everything he's provided. Number two, the number two component is the gift of righteousness. I must continually grow in revelation knowledge of who I have been made in Christ. Look at verse 21 of chapter 5 of Romans. But we're doing a lot of verse 17, verse 21 today, aren't we? <laughs> Romans 5, 21. 
that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life again by Jesus Christ our Lord. What this means is grace will bring you more and more into eternal life. Right? That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. The grace of God reigns. It has full and superior dominion. Why? Because you have been made righteous. If you do not know who you've been made and what that means, it's going to be really hard for you to believe God for healing or anything else. This is massive. Massive, right? It reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Eternal life. What is life eternal? John chapter 17 in verse 3 said, and this is life eternal, that you may know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. So in other words, all of this gets right back down to revelation knowledge of God which is revelation knowledge of his word, because you cannot separate God from his word. This is why you need to have a Bible. You, because you love your pastor, you need to go get a little, little ruler <laughs> so that you could underline right. <laughs> and you need to sit down and read your Bible. Why, why is this so important? Well, young people are like, oh, you know... I don't need a Bible. Go, go, to, go to Calvary Chapel in San Juan Capistrano. Wednesday night service, right? Now you could go to some Calvary chapels and you'll never see a Bible. Just like you go to some word churches and you never see a Bible. Now I'm not looking if you have your Bible today. Don't, don't care, right? I mean, I care, but I don't, look, I don't live that way. But this church, we go to, first of all, we have to park six blocks away from the church and, and literally walk to the church because there's so many people coming to church on a Wednesday night. And this place is packed. And you've got people, elderly, all the way down to kids in this service, teenagers all the way to elderly. And man, I've never seen so many wore out Bibles in my life of all ages. It's awesome what's happening. But you know, California, man, they went through some hard times. They started meeting in an outlet mall. They'd have their services out there. And then when they could come back in the church, what was happening is hundreds of people are getting saved all the time at this outlet mall. So they still have their Sunday service at the outlet mall. Because people are just going, hey, I'm going to buy some stuff at the outlet mall. What, what's, what's going on? And God will just lead them there and they'll get saved. So they just keep doing that. So they're, they're walking in a measure of a revival. Boy, I can't wait till that hits Omaha. I believe it's starting to. But as sin hath reigned unto death, so might, got to get this, you got to meditate on this. Grace will reign through righteousness and bring me more and more into eternal life. Wow. It's awesome. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at this. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Look at this wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? You have access by faith into this grace, which causes you to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is that? The glory of God. 
The grace of God is his healing power, which produces his glory in healed bodies and people are glorifying God. It's amazing how all this fits together. When you leave this place, you need to know God loves you so much that he made a way for you to be made righteous so that you could walk free from fear and have authority and walk in victory and lay hold of everything he's provided for you in Christ. So get ready, church. A supernatural life is what God has for your future. Amen?